Hey, everybody, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Preacher Boys podcast. I make this show for you, and I hope that you really enjoy it. I have a lot of people that ask me how they can support the show financially, and you can do that by heading over to patreon.com slash preacherboys. You're going to get access to exclusive content, including early releases of episodes. I've got a couple episodes right now that have been released at least a month early over on Patreon. You've got access to things like unique merch, depending on what tier you join, and you get access to some behind-the-scenes content that I'm posting within the group. So head over to patreon.com slash preacherboys and become a member over there today. Every single supporter helps make this show a little bit more possible, especially as I continue to add additional episodes and content every single week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Let's get back to the show. Trigger warning. This podcast contains descriptions of various abusive situations. Listener discretion is advised. You are listening to the Preacher Boys Podcast, a podcast shedding light on decades of mental, physical, and sexual abuse within the independent fundamental Baptist movement. The testimonies shared on this podcast are told from the personal experience and perspective of the survivors. Not all legal outcomes are known or final. Any suspect is presumed innocent until proven guilty in the court of law. To find more information about the Preacher Boys podcast and upcoming documentary, visit PreacherBoysDoc.com or connect on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter with the handle at PreacherBoysDoc. Now, here is your host, Eric Skwarzynski. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Preacher Boys podcast. It's good to be sitting down again with uh, Ben Williams. We we had a conversation, man, it was, it was early, early on in the show. It's probably around episode 40 or so, if I had to guess, wow. <laughs> um, maybe a little bit earlier. And uh, it's just been awesome. We've stayed in touch since then. But uh, yeah, Ben, just give a quick, quick intro to yourself. Obviously, people can go back and listen to your full story on that last episode. But uh, just give a little bit of context for our audience. Absolutely. Uh, my name is Ben Williams. Um, I mean, I'm just frankly, a nobody. <laughs> uh, my father is Ron Williams. He was the founder and director of Hepsiba House. Uh, it's a, uh, independent fundamental Baptist movement, you know, IFB, um, uh, very strict girls home. Uh, he was heavily influenced by Lester Roloff and he became one of the leaders in the industry, uh, uh, the girls home or children's home industry for, uh, the IFB. And he became the one that people called for advice and whatnot. And he had a home in one Lake, Indiana, uh, called Hepsba house. And, uh, there, you know, I grew up there majority of my life, but most of my life there. And, uh, over a period of time, uh, God began to open my eyes and I began to understand and realize that what I grew up under, what I was raised in was a cult was dangerous, destructive, and was rampant with abuse, physical abuse, spiritual abuse, uh, mental abuse. Um, so I, I, uh, began to come out of it and then, uh, got it requested to be on the Dr. Phil show. Um, and that's when it hit me that it was time for me to make a decision, whether I remained silent about everything I knew that aided me on a daily basis, or if I did the right thing, counted the cost and spoke out. I prayed about it for several days. Um, 
literally didn't eat or anything. I couldn't sleep, began to have nightmares. It was rough. Made the decision to um, to do it, and it was uh, it was rough. They counted the cost. Um, I've been I I've been no longer in communication with pretty much any of my family and uh, some of those friends and things from that 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 time period. But it was starting to happen before anyway. But so I ended up being on the show, and shortly afterwards, uh, after it aired, you contacted me, interviewed me, and uh, that's where we are today. I guess I should continue the um, like a month after the Dr. Phil show under immense pressure, Hepzibah house, praise God, uh, closed down. Um, I know that the number one reason they say is because they lost their insurance. I'm sure there's more to it than that. Mm-hmm. There's always more to the story, uh, but they did lose their insurance. And uh, so they are closed down. Yeah. Well, I, I double checked um, as you were kind of talking, I was like, I'm going to double check which episode it was that we first connected on. And it was actually January. It was like January 5th. 23rd so you were like the wow. fifth episode of the show so it was really wow. it, it feels like I mean, it, it's cliche but it felt like yesterday that we had talked last time but um yeah it was it was probably a month or so after you'd done the show that i had you on and then yeah. it, it was march that helps a house closed down um you know so i guess you could say the preacher boys podcast single-handedly shut down no i'm just kidding but uh i do believe it, it was involved because no, I, I know that it talked it a lot of people listen to it Right. Well, I mean, it was, I mean, it was, it was a pretty interesting timing because you had um, the Dr. Phil episode, which I think that was, I mean, if anything, that brought the most, you know, that brought national attention from, I mean, that was from everybody. Uh, People in my group were like, oh, did you know, for a lot of people, it was their introduction to the troubled teen industry. And it it was for me um, in a big way. I mean, Agape was the one I knew about. And then seeing Hepzibah pop up, I was like, what is this? And, uh, you know, I had, very gracious people like Amanda Householder who kind of explained to me like this is an yeah. industry of schools, but yeah, Doctor Phil, um, you know, then Breaking Code Silence was was hitting it pretty hard with with a lot of their their survivors yes. and things, and and you were being super vocal. Um, what was kind of your, I, I guess, emotional reaction to seeing it shut down? You know, what was the what was kind of the feeling there? That's a good question. I. When I found out, I literally collapsed on the couch. I did. I just collapsed on the couch. And I'm like, did this really happen? And it, and it wasn't just me. I mean, there's, there's, I mean, there's these dear ladies, uh, you know, Susan Grotti, uh, Gabby, and all these other that have been campaigning and champion for, were champions for years trying to get it closed down. And, but I know that my involvement and in God bringing me in. Uh, cause I, so I don't want to take the limelight away from them is my point, right. 100%. but I do know that God used me. And I think I was that final for a son of the director who grew up there. I think that was that final straw that grew up, right. you know, broke the camel's back, so to speak. Um, that's a phrase my dad says. I realize some of the phrases I say are the ones I grew up listening to. My right. wife was teasing me about that the other day. So yeah, it, it overwhelmed me. I wept and, um, got on the phone with Susan and uh, Cindy and some of the others that were on the Dr. Phil show. And we just rejoiced. Um, it gave a lot of these dear ladies closure. You know, we're still troubled about maybe the possible future. The property's still there. Um, then we'll get into that. Some of the things they've done that aren't quite honest, but uh, yes, I rejoiced. Yeah. yeah. You brought a unique perspective, just like you said, being the owner's son. And it's kind of the same thing with Agape. I think seeing, you know, James Clydens, who's like a former staff member, there's a, right. uh, it's, it's, I mean, I guess I would say it's harder 
to ignore, you know, and, and that's unfortunate, mm-hmm. but I think that the default response to survivors of these homes who were former students, the, the default response is, well, you know, what the school program people to believe, which is, oh, they're lying. Oh, they're this, they're saying that. And um, when it comes from someone who really had no reason, I, I mean, for all intents and purposes, you had no reason to be speaking out. I mean, no. you, you, you had the, the cushier part of that experience. Same with, yeah. same with James in a lot of ways. I mean, he was staff. I mean, it, it paid bills. I mean, not, not right. well, but I mean, it, it wasn't something where someone just goes out and says, well, I'm just going to, you know, make a, make a part of my life's mission to, to get these places <laughs> shut down. So, yeah. um, but yeah, you, you mentioned some kind of concerns with where it goes next. And I think that was a lot of people's question is what happens next? Does it just do what these homes usually do and pop up in a different form? So what's been kind of your, uh, the things you've been keeping an eye on over the, the, the last few months? I, um, I ended up getting COVID. And so my research hit the brakes um, and I was going to work on a little tiny mini documentary uh, going into some detail. I have copies of, of, um, uh, where they transferred the corporation papers and things like that. And eventually I will get that done and I'll get it posted on my path to freedom site and our YouTube, my YouTube page. <sighs> they did the typical. <laughs> um, so believers Baptist church, which was, you know, have some house believers Baptist church like this. They're just one unit, same property, same buildings, everything. Uh, Donald, my oldest brother is the pastor. My father had started. It used to be the pastor. Uh, Jim Kagan, um, a man I love dearly, uh, but he has sipped the Kool-Aid for so many years. I don't think he knows how to get out. Um, I'm I'm friends with his oldest son, and we both have been so grieved um, about Jim Kagan. Uh, and I'm giving his name because that's where I'm referencing. Jim and Donald um, were part of the new paperwork, and uh, they took the corporation, all the assets, all the properties – Everything, which if it was appraised, I'm telling you, you're probably looking at, I would say, very close to being $2 million or more. Um, they claim it's less than that, but I'm telling you right now, it's way worth more than that. It's, it, it's top, it's quality area, it's quality prop buildings, etc. cetera. Um, so they took it all and they made a new corporation. So they took uh, Believer Baptist Church Corporation, Hepsbah House Inc., and they dissolved them and they just, on a paper, and ink and a couple signatures, all those assets just miraculously became a new entity and they have a new church name. And I apologize. I should have written that down. Um, they, they changed them. They changed per, per new church sign up. So new name, new corporation, same people, same players, same buildings. Now the girls home parts closed down, but uh, they are in the works of possibly starting a, the irony of this, the irony of this, it just a PTSD center. <laughs> um, it's just the irony of it. They didn't used to even believe in PTSD, um, but there's a group there, an, a, a fundamentalist group that specializes now in PTSD for armed forces. Um, right. And they, I uh, again, I will be putting all that together, uh, hopefully by this spring as my as my goal and having video because I want to really document it, and that'll take you know, probably a good 30 minute video to lay it all out. Um, and that's my intention right. but because of COVID my memory, I lost a lot of memory issues. I my short term memory is still recovering from COVID. So I've, I've had to slow down a little bit, but um, so I, I'm going to watch that carefully, but the fact that they, 
hid their assets and transferred them is so unscrupulous, so unethical and dishonest. But that's not the first time we've seen these groups do this kind of behavior. In fact, that's the MO. That's what they do. Right, right. Yeah, no, definitely. It's, uh, yeah, it, it, like you said, it's CMO. And it, it is, it's something with these homes that they seem to just disappear and pop up with different names or different staff or just, it's it's just kind of a, like everything else I cover on the show, it just kind of cycles around, you know, in, in right. enough to kind of change the, change the appearance a little bit and then keep going. Um, but yeah, I, I wanted to talk to you too. I mean, the, the conversation about this industry has exploded you know, in the last year. I mean, and I'm so I, glad it has. Yeah. I mean, it, it's been, it's been pretty crazy. So like I mentioned, I knew of Agape, uh, you know, then I found out about Hepzibah House, um, you know, which caught my attention because, you know, Dr. Phil talking about anything connected to the independent Baptist movement. I was like, well, that's good time. Raises because, a flag. Like, what <laughs> yeah. in the world is going yeah. on here? Exactly. And, um, but you know, then you've got, man, whatever it was, it was, it was midway through the year, you know, Paris Hilton does a documentary and, you know, I remember when I saw it and I told Paris this too. I was like, when I saw it, I was like, you know, okay. You know, I'm, I'm, I don't know anything about Paris Hilton aside from, you know, yeah. my church background, like preaching against Paris Hilton. How and wicked list of horrible people, she you know? was. Exactly. And, yeah. uh, and so <laughs> that's here. all I knew. You know, I knew, I knew like vaguely like a girl in pink with a dog and that was it. And then my wife was like, Hey, you need to watch the the trailer for this. And I was like, watch. I was like, okay. I was like, I don't, this is no relevance to me. And then at the end, she drops like, you know, kind of the bombshell of, of being at one of these homes, not IFB connected, but just in that industry. I was like, oh, so like even, even, you know, celebrities and things are familiar with these kind of, of yep. places. And, and so that kind of sparked that conversation. You know, I've just, man, for the last few months, I've literally had to space out my interviews because I'm talking to so many people that are now finding out about me and, and, you know, vice right. versa. And uh, so what's been kind of, I guess the, uh, the roller coaster ride of this kind of getting some steam and like people actually having this discussion. It's interesting that the, like the Bethany, the, the Lester Roloff group. Okay. Those dear ladies have been champ being, you know, they've been raising their voice for a while, but they kept getting shut down. Um, the IFB has a, and, and in the IFB movement, when somebody is blacklisted, their name is mud. And let me let me explain what I mean by blacklisted, because I'm I'm one of them. So if you don't speak the speak, you know, do the IFP talk and carry your King James Bible and wear the IFP clothing, uh, which we joke is the blue jean skirt, tennis shoes, and white socks on the women with their long hair, you know, whatever it is, it, it it's a very distinct look, talk, and way of life. Uh it's very, very it's just another different version of, of the Amish. It, there's really no difference or, or the Hutterite or the German Baptist. Uh, they're all very similar uh, where it's, a, it's mostly works involved. And they, and if you leave that group or you begin to vocalize or disagree with that group, the first thing they do is you become shunned and word gets put out to all the other churches, you know, and then they begin to focus on, well, he's got tattoos. He's got an earring. I saw him drink alcohol. Oh my gosh. They go to the movies. You know, uh, his wife is working on something you know, and down the, there's this list. Everyone knows what I'm talking about at this point because enough has been aired out. And then they begin to nitpick your life and they, they, they find all the areas of, of sin in your life to um, discredit you. 
So they be, they began a campaign of discrediting the voice. And we have seen that with uh, the Gothard victims. We've seen that with the Agape victims. Um, personal friends, by the way, with some of those on staff there uh, that just is not able to come out. They just they just can't do it. Um, and I, and I, I love that individual dearly and uh, a clear a cl- close friend. Uh, but I've known about Agape for for years uh, because of all this. Um, but you've got you know Hepzibah House. You've got all the roll off garbage, um, and then you got all the the offsuit of the Hiles Group that started their homes. Um, and then you had the Fairhaven Group that started their homes, and then you have the the fringe ultra ultra right independents that started their homes, which would be like my dad, um, who were influenced by Lester Roloff. But it's like all of a sudden there's this tidal wave. It was a tsunami. That occurred. Now they would call it persecution. Uh, they would call it that uh, this is the part of the end times, and uh, because they they've been preaching out against social media for some time. I mean, there was people that started on MySpace bringing up the truth about Hepsba House on MySpace, <laughs> um, and uh, so they would preach messages about how um, Facebook and all this is evil and it's going to be used of the devil one day to uh, to attack Christianity, which there is evil in social media. Everyone knows that. But God allowed social media to be used for his glory. And what I mean by that is the truth began to, the dots begin to connect. And this voice and this voice who don't even know each other, we started seeing, okay, that story, that story, that story. And all of a sudden you could put a map up on the wall and begin to realize that either we've got thousands of people lying at this point, they don't even know each other, a lot of them, or there's a common denominator. And now we have discovered there's a common denominator. God's used uh, people like you. Uh, I mean, you followed a, a vision uh, that I believe God put on your heart, and look what's happened. I mean, thousands of people have watched uh, watched and listened to your podcast. Um, and then, you you know, God used the Dr. Phil show, uh, the C, I think it was a A&E show, CNN. Uh, you know, remember... You know, remember the story of Cyrus? I was at King Cyrus in the Old Testament. God used an unsaved man for good. And you'll find out throughout history that God will do that. So we need to understand, you know, it doesn't matter if they're a drunkard or uh, like they tried to attack the the one young lady that was on the Dr. Phil show. Well, she's a, uh, you know, she's a lesbian uh, porn star. I don't care. She's a human being. And God allowed her voice to be heard. Now, I don't agree with any of her lifestyle, but I love her and I care for her. And I can still separate that from behaviors that I can't agree with. And that's what I grew up with where you really weren't able to do that. You hated the sin and the sinner. Now, they would deny that, but that's what they did. They hated the sin. They hated the sinner. And then they would begin to focus on the sin and forget the sinner. And um, that's been the motto of IFB for, I would say, 60, 70 plus years of constantly degrading. Um, They degrade women and they degrade anybody who doesn't obey and be under their thumb. Um, But God used it. God used used it. And the the tsunami continues. You know, more and more truths coming out about agape right now. Agape is atrocious. I mean, and there's stuff that you and I both know that we can't talk about yet because we can't vet it. But we know, we know. And and there and eventually, I think the truth is going to come out, and we're going to get agape close. There, agape is a harbor of pedophiles. I'll just say it that way. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a lot of evil and a lot of sin 
at Agape and that one needs to get closed down and those victims need to be heard and they need to get, you know, uh, I can't think of the word top of my head, uh, a piece that is closed down so they can get closure, closure. That's the word I wanted. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned kind of a tidal wave of stuff happening and and like, again, lots of attention happening right now. And, you know, my, my concern, anytime there's this much attention that just pops up, you know, my concern is that, you know, is it too broad? Is it going to stay, you know, too wide and, you know, then dissipate, you know, that was my, that was my concern a little bit with the, with the Paris Hilton documentaries. I was like, man, I hope this doesn't start like a quick burst of excitement about it and, and, you know, action toward it and then disappear, you know, like, like anything else that gets really big and then, and then goes away. And it hasn't done that. It's like this. Yeah. But um, it'll plateau and then go down. Right. But, but, but so far it seems to be a pretty consistent level of energy and, and and a lot of it too, I think is, um, you know, I think the fact that she stayed on it, you know, and and again, I know there were many people that told her, you know, when I was at the rally, I know I heard a lot of people tell her like, Hey, we, we didn't know if you were just going to show up and take a picture with us and leave. Like, but she's been, I mean, she's been working with like the American bar association bringing, I mean, she's been, I've been shocked by the level of work there. Um, but, but also too, like the breaking code silence crew, you know, really pushing, pushing forward. Um, you know, even people like we know Hannah Kay, Amanda Householder, yes. uh, um, you know, there, there's a long list. I mean, Alan Knoll with, with Bethel. Um, I mean, there's a, there's a big group of people, but I, I guess as you kind of look at it now, now we've had enough time to not be just shock and awe with like, you know, some of these right. big stories. Uh, what do you think the next, course of actions is it just focusing in on like agape next and then the next one or is it still just educating about the industry as a whole you know that's i have done so much thinking on this and meditating on this like what is next the biggest problem we we need to not forget the humanity of the situation Uh, it's easy to get caught up into a movement and focus on the movement and forget the humanity um my own life personally, not long after all the interviews and the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that contacted me pouring their hearts out. I'm a preacher's kid. Don't tell anybody who's, this is who I am. And then I'd find out, Oh my gosh, I know them. Or, Oh my gosh, my dad's preached for them. I've been with my dad. And and there's so many that I could never talk about and they're not coming out. So for it's it's important for, for folks to know that are watching the show and, and you're very aware of this. For every one person you're interviewing, there's hundreds, and I would safely say hundreds, of others that just don't have the ability, maybe mentally, emotionally, and physically to do it, because it wears on you, okay? Um, And that's where I'm going to give a personal example. I had a complete mental breakdown last summer finally all piled up on me. Um, you know, I, I had just right before getting interviewed with you, like right in that same time period is when I got diagnosed with um, uh, complex PTSD. And I finally admitted for the first time in my life to others that I had been fighting depression, suicidal thoughts. And now I understand even anxiety uh, since I was about 10, 12 years of age. And I didn't realize that I had that. Because I, well, <laughs> I was taught it was wrong. I was taught it was sin to 
have depression. You know, you don't have a walk with Jesus. We've, we talked about that often, how, how that occurs. It all climaxed last year because the more I became aware of it, the more I begin to realize the magnitude of how all this affected my life. And I made a lot of very wrong choices, a lot of horrible choices. So I began to focus on the humanity side. God's giving you the ability and the gift of revealing the the issues, and it needs to continue. The wave cannot stop. So, yes, we need to see agape and all them close down. But what is – and you've started doing some interviews with some of these, you know, with PTSD recovery – for me to admit I had PTSD and understand that I needed to get on medication was one of the most humbling things in my life because I was taught almost entirely, majority of my life, I understood that was sin and that was evil to take a medication to help you. Now I openly say, oh my goodness, if you need to take a medication to help heal your brain, well, wouldn't you take medication for your insulin? Wouldn't you take it, you know, for a disease? It is the same thing. An illness is an illness. And, 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 and it, to finally understand that has changed my life, but that mental breakdown got to a point where I literally hid in my basement for two months, basically, um, play a lot of Xbox and, um, kept the lights off. Um, I wept almost every night and if it wasn't for my wife, I think, I don't think I would have come out of it. And she nursed me through it, that and good therapy. It has changed me. I'm a different person than I was a year ago when you interviewed me. I heard a lot of people like that last summer because I became very explosive with my temper. I became um, volatile. I would snap at everybody. I hurt people at my church. And then the reality began to hit me what I was doing. So I resigned from everything in my church. I resigned from all positions and just isolated myself. And I said, God, I'm not doing anything until I can get myself under control. And I said, I've got to go through this. And it was a painful uh, next four or five months of, of slowly clawing through. And the memories that I've had gone through um, just recently, I don't know if you saw my post, I, I, I watched a bunch of, and read a bunch on the Stanford project. I wept for probably five, six hours to realize that I was one of those people that was psychologically warped. I delighted when a girl got checked in. I delighted when a girl got violent as a teenage boy and a young adult because it was a thrill. Hmm. It was a thrill to, you know, to control the situation. It was a thrill to, uh, it was an adrenaline rush. We became adrenaline junkies. All of us kids did. We didn't look at those girls in their humanity. We looked hmm. at them as a project and as an object and as a, um, we didn't look at them as victims. We didn't look at them as, as souls. Mm. Now we talked like we did, but in all reality, we didn't. Now, I don't know if my mom and dad didn't look at them that way, but I know we as children recently in the last 10, five, 10 years, 
conversations come up with some of my siblings in regards to the the former students that are trying to help shut this thing down. One of my siblings said, I hate Hepsipah House, but those girls are a bunch of idiots and they're mm-hmm. crazy quacks. What do you think about that? They hate a lot of my siblings hated Hepsipah House. They hate it to this day. Yeah. They won't stand up and tell the truth because they're worried about their own personal lives. Right. They worried about their careers and they're worried about their own name and they're worried about being possibly um being a, being accused of being a part of the problem, you know, uh right. what's incriminating themselves. I got brothers that are in law enforcement and things. So they have distanced themselves, but they and they won't denounce it. Mm-hmm. I'm the only one that just faced said, Hey, I don't care if I go to jail, I'm telling the truth. Yeah. You know, and and you know that's where I was at in my mind. I mean, like I the truth has to come out. What has happened is evil. So uh, I, I know I, I digress to get that point, the humanity yeah. of it all. And a lot of these victims that have contacted me have shared with me the huh, the health problems, right. the, the the nightmares, the the uh, many of them have serious health issues. Um I myself have serious health issues that I fight. I have chronic illness and my doctor and my therapist, you know, talking together and working with me, they've all come to the conclusion that most of this is from the PTSD that started as a child Mm. for me to understand the reality that they believe that my brain in many ways quit developing at around 15. So in other words, a lot of my hyperactivity and lack of being able to, be kind to others uh, and struggling with that. They said, you know, in many ways you realize you have to retrain a brain that stopped around 12 to 15 and rewire it. Mm-hmm. And so I'm in that rewiring process. Well, now I want you, uh, you listeners to understand that there's thousands of us like that. Yeah. And I mean, thousands where right. we're trying to sift through and find out, okay, I know that God is real. Where do I go from there? <laughs> to realize that the entire Christianity you were taught was biased and twisted and wrong. Yeah. And it has caused a lot of doubts. I don't trust pastors. I don't trust church leadership. That's it. why would I? Yeah. And why would all these countless other thousands? I mean, the, the church as a whole has lost its name. Mm. Our leadership is more worried about commercializing their church. They're more worried about about power, position, prestige, and their pocketbook. That's all they're worried about overall. Now, they would deny that, but that's overall what they're worried about. And they want to create a legacy and a dynasty. That's not their job. Their job is not to create a legacy. The legacy should only be King Jesus. And so, as a whole, churches have become a disaster and young people are leading the churches in droves, young families, there's nothing there to feed them and help them because they see through it all. And the more this comes out, I am afraid the wave's going to stop. I really am. But the wave is not just tacking these children's homes and these group homes, but the corruption in these, in the pastors. I mean, and the IFB movement as a whole, I, I have people that have gotten mad at me and like, we're a part of IFG. 
our church is not like that. It's the other church. And my answer to them in a very kind and professional manner, bull crap. There is literally no such thing as an IFB church that's innocent. That's a powerful statement because the core belief system, the core structure, um, the nuthetic thinking, and work at, look up nuthetic, Jay Adams, nuthetic counseling, the nuthetic thinking, all of it, all of it is wrong. The King James only. You could just go down one thing after another. And throughout my life, I've saw I've seen one phase after another. I saw the mid-tribber phase, and I saw the um the gap theory phase, and um, or whether well, you're not you're a two point, three point, five point Calvinist, you know, all these different things, but there's one thing that's made that stayed consistent, and that's the damage, the destruction, and the devastation of the IFB movement. And one of the greatest crimes of the IFB movement, and I'm talking crimes and heinous sins, is the sexual objectifying of the entire female race. The number one fault outside of the blasphemy of turning the gospel into what it's not, I believe, has been sexually objectifying women. And that is why the IFB has created... A, 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 a just a, a, an army of sexual predators. Um, and it's got to stop. So the wave must continue. So yeah, Agape is next. Absolutely. needs to close down, but we also, and that's what is exciting to me. I just ordered in, I'm good. Started reading. I fired God. I can't wait to, um, um, that title of the book. Yeah. yeah um, Dustin Zichterman's book. Yes. I can't yeah. wait to, to read it. Um, I haven't been able to read in years. And I'm trying to rewire my brain and let myself read. And my brain always races. I'm that kind of person. Like I will watch a movie, uh, be playing Xbox and doing my phone all at the same time. That's not healthy. That's overstimulation. I'm literally working on, I've been doing that for years. And that's been my body's and mind's way of trying to cope. It's coping mechanisms. And learning that those were, and those were bad coping mechanisms. Um, just like a drug addiction or an alcohol addiction or eating addiction, uh, we shouldn't be focusing on the addiction. We need to find out what's causing the addiction. And you know, I'm not I'm not an expert. I'm just finally realizing a lot of research for my own life to realize, oh my goodness, I've been looking at this all wrong all these years. <laughs> all right, I just started really wandering. So you got to rein me in here. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. No, I yeah. No, I mean, there's a lot. Uh, I mean, there's a lot there, and I've gone through you know, a very similar trajectory in the past, um, in the past year, honestly, like pretty shockingly similar, but I think it's because we've both been, you know, I mean, you've got layers and layers. I mean, you, you grew up with the layers with this stuff and, and, you know, for me, you know, I've said on the show, I'm never going to pretend on the show. Like my, my childhood was extremely traumatic or, you know, for me, that wasn't the case for, for me, my bubble didn't burst till I was probably, I mean, 16, you know, I mean, that's when it, it hit and, and I've got plenty of trauma from that stage of life. And I packed a lot into those uh, last few years in the movement, um, you know, from being in a, you know, a pretty rough ministry situations to, to, you know, dealing with my in own, there. you know, church background. But, but as far as, you know, I resonated with, with what you were saying about, you know, there's hundreds of stories for every story that makes it out. There's hundreds that people don't hear. And right. you and I have talked about stories that, um, I've you know, never aired. Us, they never will. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They'll never air or, 
you know, the victim will never share or can't share or is locked in a situation where they can't. And um, no, when you were, I, I really resonate. I mean, the time period you talk about, I had the same, I've gone through those same ups and downs and, and I, I don't feel um, I'm going to ramble too, but I mean, this is something that I've just, you, you commented, you were like, don't burn out. I was like, man, that was like months ago. You know, that was like my kind of burnout period. And I but, have been, I, I've been praying for you yeah, that you wouldn't burn out because you're, you're being used. You, you guys and recovering fundamentalists, God has used you. And, and you know, one reason how I know you're being used, you throw a rock into a wolf pack and, it, and the, and the dog you hit's going to yelp. Yeah. Yeah. And you got a lot of yelpers, right? And the wolves are all beginning to yelp and they're yelping with a vengeance because they're guilty. I believe, you know, Susan Grotti, I I called her weeping after the Stanford project reading it. And and I'm going to tell you, don't read that unless you have, if you've been an experience like mine, uh, don't read it unless you have a support structure to help you. I'm glad I read it, but it it messed me up for about 24 to 48 hours. Literally, physically became ill okay it, it messed me up so bad to realize a year ago i was still defending my father in many ways now he was wrong but i and i took a public stand against him but now i will stand up and say that my dad's actions were all evil hmm. i couldn't 100 say that a year ago i wasn't there yet i love my father but my father's actions were not just wrong they were evil yeah. And that and 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 my father, I believe, with everything in me, actually turned my mother into the evil, evil person she became. And that's a powerful thing to say. Mom was raped by her own father, severely abused as a child, and it was all buried, and it was never properly taken care of because they got they got saved. Uh, in the early seventies, they were young adults and they, they very quickly got caught up into the IFB movement. And so they never got the help they should have gotten. And dad literally lorded over mom and turned, mm. I, I, I've been looking back in my, in my mind and key things. My mother said, little things she said, I realized that I believe if mom would have gotten help she would not have become the evil. So that was the expression of the, uh, my mom had nothing but inner, to- or inner turmoil, uh, majority of her life. Right. She suffered from panic attacks, anxiety attacks, and they wouldn't call it that. That's exactly what they are. I watched my mom start pulling hair out of her head on yeah. two to three different occasions. That's not normal people. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a pressure cooker environment when you're in it. And then, yeah, do, on the advocacy side, it, it's, it's heavy. Like it's, it's, it's knowing, you know, I've been, I've been through, I mean, and you probably have as well. Like there's the, you know, you feel guilt for like, you know, for me, I'm like, man, I, I loaded kids on vans and brought them to, you know, churches like mine. Right. Oh, I, I was having the bus people to, yep. to, to go to Bible colleges and, yep. and, you know, and then, yeah, on top of that, you've got, I mean, people know, like I took a break from the show back in summer and like, I just same thing, like burned out. Like I know I haven't played video games in like, since I graduated high school, like I got rid of my stuff and like, <laughs> and like when I was like 16, I sold my stuff so I could buy a computer to edit videos. Cause that's how nerdy I am. And, um, but like, yeah, back in the beginning of January, I was like, I was like doing anything to just distract, you know, from what I was, from what I was up to. And I, I mean, I was, I didn't realize till now, cause I, I feel 
I, I told my wife, I said, I feel like this month is the first month I felt like closure or felt some kind of, you know, I guess, I guess some kind of actual peace about every, like, like I feel really good, you know, and, and, um, but it was, yeah, it was like all through last year. I mean, I, I, I didn't even realize how much it affected me till now being on the healthier side, looking back like, Oh, that was not good. Like, like, I, I mean, I wrote, I journaled back in March. Uh, it was probably, it's probably like two weeks after we had done it. I just wrote like kind of how I was feeling, but you know, just wrote in my own journal, like how I felt about, you know, the show and like some of the stuff that was going on and like some of the heavier stuff I was dealing with. And, you know, my wife read it like a month ago. She's like, that reads like a suicide note. Like, she's like, I'm glad I didn't read that in March. And I was like, it wasn't, it was just, it was just like, it was just, I, I was just putting it out. I was literally on a bus to Florida. Cause I had missed my, I'd missed my, uh, my trip to to this one other part of Florida I was in and I was just sitting there just writing and just thinking through all the stuff that was, was going on just three months in. And now there's, I mean, like I said, there's hundreds of stories. I mean, there's, there's 120 episodes of the show. There's probably, and I probably had conversations with at least four or 500 different people or, or been made aware of, you know, situations like the victims the are in the it's, are in the thousands yeah for sure for you sure know, the, the average woman the average i i don't want to mean that disrespectfully the average lady in the ifb movement is um either so warped that they become actually a, a causer of issues yeah, yeah <laughs> but yeah, most yeah. of them are very subdued uh beaten and they're very helpless yeah. in their lives and they and they live very sad discouraged lives and i know it because i i watched it i look back now and i go oh my word i mean at the very least the verbal abuse that you see people and and again that's where it's tricky is like like sometimes i'll talk about things we're just trying to i'm a detective you know what i mean like that's where i look at myself on the show like like there's going to be times i i make a i make i try to draw a parallel or i try to find but i'm trying to figure this out like anybody and so right yeah sometimes i'll dive in they'll be like i thought this was about abuse and i'm like and I sit there and listen, like, like some people do that. Like, why well, talk about, you know, this preacher who's not, he's never sexually abused someone. And I listen to their preaching in front of like 600 people. But his teaching talk causes about, it. Right. Where, the, where he'll just talk about women being ugly and women looking fat in pants and pants. And, and it's like. That is how I like, grew up hearing that my whole life. It's like, I can't imagine growing up in a movement where you're taught that way consistently. You know yeah. what I mean? As a, as a woman you know what i mean like as a as a guy it it growing up in that world you're kind of programmed the same way not to even think twice about that kind of stuff but anyway yeah it's it's i resonate with your were you taught that you know like if you're driving um did you have the thing eyeballs to the left eyeballs to the right i i know what you're talking about but yeah but not yeah i grew up under that like heavily and so one of the things we grew up in it's the woman's fault for us to be lusting after her um I don't want to take too much of your time, but I destroyed one of the realities of the last 12 months as I began to peel off the layers of my own life and realize how bad hmm. I became Right, is the magnitude of how I realize and understand that it was my fault. My first marriage was destroyed. Hmm. Yeah. Cause see, I was able to say, well, it's her fault. Cause she took off with the, you know, the song leader, uh, yeah. the, the, you know, the, the preacher's son. No, 
I now have to say, because I know I created a monster because I have what and how I treated her. I, 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 uh, I did the typical IFBMO where I expected her to wash my dishes, clean my house, wash my clothes, homeschool my children. You, you hear what I'm saying? It's very selfish yeah. way. That's okay. Um, and then give me sex whenever I wanted it. No. And I mentally destroyed her. Hmm. To this day, she can't even look at me. I don't blame her now. Yeah. But it's taken me to go through this this journey the last year to realize the magnitude of, of what I did. She just was one of the few that was strong enough to say enough and walk out. But there's so many that don't do that and they live these literally hell on earth lives in their mind. You know, and so a lot of the books that have been, you know, um, um, that have come out that uh, attack, um, get my brain straight here. Like uh, there's a book under the sheets. I believe is the name of it. Um, it was supposed to be this book for Christians to help marriages. And, or uh, someone just brought, I just saw a, a post today, an article about um, uh, one of these books that is supposed to help men because their whole problem, number one problem is objectifying is lust after women. That is not our number one problem, but that was what was taught us our whole lives. That's what, is, so I was taught that if that woman was walking down the street with her peekaboo skirt or her sleeveless dress and her low V top, that it was her fault that I had a lustful image of her. No. Now, should a woman be adorned? Yeah. Okay. They should be modest. So should we men. But what's the definition of modesty? Honestly, where's the line in the Bible? You really narrow it down. You have a hard time telling me what it is. So we were taught, they created their own rules of what modesty was. And it was, if a woman got raped, well, it was her fault she got raped. She shouldn't have been at that party. It was her fault she got raped. She shouldn't have been alone with that man. It was her fault she got raped because she was wearing a very provocative outfit. And that girl's a whore. She's a slut. She's a Jezebel. She's a strange woman. You know who talked like that all the time? My mother. That became ingrained into my mind, into my thinking. My mother called my, my sister-in-laws whores, sluts, strange women, Jezebels all the time. She couldn't stand the fact that they had dyed hair or wore too much makeup or had a skirt that was right at their knees or whatever it was. And so I took that thinking and I created a, a false a reality of what my wife should be. And I turned her into nothing but a sexual release and a sexual object. And I did not treat her as an equal. I did not submit to her in mutual submission, I treated her like I was taught to treat her and I destroyed her. When the magnitude that hit me, Eric, I'm telling you, I, 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 I have wept and wept and wept. And um, one of the things that needs to come out in this show is that's how the average man, the IFB thinks and how the average lady is beaten subdued, devastated, because all they are is objectified instead of dignified. I don't, I, I don't know how I wandered into that, but <laughs> that's been heavy on my heart recently. Right. I'm actually doing a podcast next week for a Christian business associate group. Oh, really? And the discussion 
that they want me to talk about is mutual submission between a husband and wife. Cause they want me to share my journey of how I've gone from where I am now to, I look at my wife as my equal and not yeah. my, you know, subordinate. Right. Uh, I don't look at her. I, she's, I, we have mutual submission. Yeah. And I've never had that until the past year. Right. And I'm 43, be 44 this year. Mm. That crazy. Yeah. It's, it's nuts <laughs> for sure. And it, it is, it is. It, it's, um, but I mean, this kind of, I mean, I know we're, I know we're tying it up at a, at a, maybe a strange spot, but I'm sure this will be our last conversation, <laughs> but, uh, but I mean, it kind of speaks to the fact that, you know, I, I just spent the last few days at, um, I just spent the last few days at idea day here in Vegas with, uh, with Josh Tice and, and a couple guys. And, and I talked quite a bit with the recovering fundamentalist guys and, and, um, and they're doing one, a good job. Yeah, they, they really are. I mean, and, and we sat down and we, we all talked about things that we could do better and things that we've messed up and, you know, things in our, some of our episodes where, you know, we've changed even since our, our earliest, you know, episodes. And, but one thing that I'll say consistently, and I've seen this with you, I see it with myself is, you know, sometimes I look back or I look at current you know, some current people that are, that are in the movement, you know, not leadership. I think that's a different category, but people who are just attending these churches. Right. Um, and you know, it's that's easy to focus for. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's easy to, it's easy to laugh at or mock or get mad at, you know, some, some of the younger people coming up that are just cocky and, you know, part of that world. And, and I, you know, I was talking to Nathan, uh, Cravat, Cravat, however you say his last name. And, uh, you know, we were, we were chatting and I, I just said, you know, I was that person like a few years ago, like just a few years too. ago. I was, and too. you know, and and I think there's. I've talked about it before on the show. I think there's people who are legitimate cult leaders that that know what they're doing. They manipulate like my power. Father. My right. father would be one of them. They they Goddard they like to go on power trips. Yeah. yeah, Goddard. But then there's a lot of guys who are just being raised that that's what Christianity is. That's what being a, a guy is. That's what being a girl is. And for those people, I hope that this show breaks through, you know, I'm not going to get a Goddard. I'm not going to get a Treber. I, nope. I mean, I, I mean, I'm not even worried about it. That's I between mean, miracles you, can what, happen. And you're not, not a fool. And the Bible says track a scorner, right? Either they're fools and they're scorners, right? I'm and not worried about them, but for the people graduating from these colleges, for the people who are, you know, I'm hoping the show breaks through. And I think, I think part of that is just, us being open about where we're at, where we've come from. It, it's like sharing in a lot of ways. It's like sharing your testimony, right? It's like, I was this in, now I'm this in real and, time. Uh, right. We're sharing and, our testimonies in real time and our recovery process. Yeah. And that's why I love the recovering from us. It's a process. Yeah. And you're always your default position, no matter what side of this you're on, no matter where, what background, no matter what walk of life, every human being's default position is to be a fundamentalist about their point of view everybody's and to be able to set that aside and have empathy and conversations takes a lot of practice and a lot of, a lot of inner it's work on a daily. One basis. of my greatest struggles, yeah. you know, my, my passion for this year, Eric is because I'm not a gentle man. I, I don't, a lot of times I don't even understand how I'm not. Cause I just come across an aggressive way. It's my personality. So I got to control that. So my, my passionate uh, commitment for this year is, is meekness and long suffering. Mm. Uh, and gentleness, you know, being meek and long suffering has been two of my greatest challenges and to respond with power under control in a long suffering and gentle, loving way, man, I'm telling you, that's opposite of all I've ever known my entire life. 
Right. It's rough stuff. Yeah. But the joy is, is when I do respond with meekness and gentleness and see the re the response back, I'm like, okay, wow. You know, it's even if it doesn't result in the way I want it to be, but the fact that I could walk away with a clean conscience, is kind of cool. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Just to let you know. (laughs) Yeah. It's an amazing thing. And and so my motto is because I'm start, I I had to put my book desire on a hold because mentally I couldn't do it. Um, The other day I was dictating and I dictated for two hours about my mom. And at the end of two hours, I was physically wiped out just telling stuff about my mom. Cause it, it just wipes you out. Mm. But um, uh, I'm sorry. My mind just went blank. But my point is, is my motto is, is if I can help one person to not go through what I went through. Cause see what I did is I mastered living this double life. Cause I couldn't no. do what they wanted me to do. So my answer was I went to, you know, I became a, a, a partier, a drinker, uh, addicted to sex, addicted to pornography. And I became a very, very wicked man. And I hurt a lot of people. I hurt a lot of ladies. I destroyed a marriage. And if I could help one person begin a recovery process and not do what I did, and one person is is helped, is, is led in the right path, wow, is worth yeah. it. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Well, I know we, um, I have to, we have to it cut up. it off here. I got to jump, <laughs> on, a, time. Yes, a sir. jump on a call, but we'll, uh, we'll get together again at some point for sure. And I really do. I've enjoyed you know, I know, I know uh, these journeys aren't necessarily always pretty, but I've enjoyed kind of watching, watching the the process and, and, you know, kind of paralleling it in a lot of ways and uh, really appreciate you taking some time to, to come on. I'm honored. And I, I know I don't, I'm not like able to have, I don't have your abilities, but I do uh, try to share my thought process on my Facebook page, path to freedom. And yeah. I encourage people to get on there and, and, and they can question me, ask me and challenge me, but I just try to share my, you'll see, if you go back a year ago to now, you'll see a completely different person. Right. I yeah. did. I was like, Oh my goodness, I changed, but I believe by God's grace, I'm changing for the better. Um, and that's my heart's desire, obviously. Right. Absolutely. I want to radiate Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Well guys, definitely check the link in the show notes and connect with Ben there. And uh, yeah, definitely follow that, follow that kind of journey. And uh, ben, again, Ben, thank you so much for coming on. You're a blessing. Lord bless awesome. you. Cool. Thank you for listening to the preacher boys podcast. If you appreciated the content on the show, please leave a review on iTunes and don't forget to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter with the handle at preacher boys doc. Additional information can always be found on PreacherBoysDoc.com. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.